Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next exciting episode of the Sit Rep Podcast. On this show, we're going to talk about that little short guy who speaks that funny language called France. No, just kidding. Uh, we'll be talking about Napoleon, and then we'll be transitioning to a comic book that's coming to life in a game, among other things. And there might even be some World War II action. So, guys, stay tuned and get ready in three, two, one. You are listening to the Citrep Podcast, your source for everything related to historical wargaming. Whether you are looking for the latest wargaming news, reviews, painting tutorials, or playthroughs, you will hear about it right here. So grab your favorite beverage or brush and let's hit it. Hello, everybody. This is Bill, Citrep 6, and we are back for the next exciting episode of the Citrep Podcast. Joining me is the command crew, as always, and today from the Midwest is the guy who doesn't know what sunshine is, talks to his best friend, a computer, Mr. Chris Wimmer. How are you, sir? Doing okay. How are you all doing? All right. And then just down the block is that guy who doesn't know how to shave. He's got this freaking mutton chops, but you know, he gives it a good college try. Mr. Martin Schaefer, how are you, sir? Uh, good morning. I'm well, and you're jealous. Luxurious, luxurious. Yeah, that's. Although I gotta admit, I did uh, I did trim them up last week because they were way out of control. You were starting to look like Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm just gonna put it out there. It's true. Or uh, <laughs> what's that guy from uh, the the like first mate from? Uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yes, I was, I, I was about there. Yeah, so that's good. Had to rein that in. And that strong, intelligent voice you heard in the ether is our historical guru, Mister Big Jim Ruskinny. Sir, how are you? I am not hiding my jealousy for Martin's wedding chops. Sarcastic and mighty. I wish I could grow yes, those. Sir. Whenever, I, whenever I try to grow sideburns, it's it's a horrible glory. It, it doesn't work at all. So I don't even try anymore. <laughs> I'm so happy I have some hair on my head at this point. Yep. All right. Well, guys, it's been a few weeks since we've all been together. And as always, we like to do a quick catch up on anything you're doing related to modern warfare and gaming and or even historical gaming. Um Let's start with the easiest one first. Chris? Chris? <laughs> oh, there he's listed it at all already. <laughs> you all keep making fun of him. He's going to get that Death Star laser to blow up your house. <laughs> right? Chris? Didn't realize I was on mute. So, uh, really nothing's going, nothing's going on, but, uh, I mean, there we are practicing a little uh, infighting uh, in the house, so... Uh huh. Well, all right then. Uh, transitioning right along, Mr. Shaver. So, in the past uh, couple of weeks, I have become uh, a benevolent uh, dictator, uh, mayor of a town, and a uh, shepherd. 
Huh? And by that, I mean I have finally uh, busted out the rest of my uh, Afghan civilians and uh, uh, animals. Uh-huh. And painted, uh, well, they're in the process of being painted up. I got to, like, finish the highlights and then base them. But, uh, yeah, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen dudes. Uh, that are these are all civilians. None of them are armed. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're really they're just kind of uh, for flavor on the board because I don't play most of the civilian rules because, mm, as you know, I don't like crunchy stuff and that's more I have to keep track of. And then uh, I have a uh, uh, let's see, I have a herd of three donkeys, mm-hmm. and and then I have a goat herd of eighteen uh, goats. So there you go. Nice. That's what that that's uh that's what I've been working on. And then uh you remember the little uh the little French dudes that came in the uh war game soldier strategy issue, what was it, a month ago, two yeah. months ago? Yep. Yep, the line yeah, infantry. So uh huh. Yeah, so I put them together. I haven't done anything with them because uh I've never painted this era, so I don't know what color they're supposed to be. But I assembled them and figured after I got done with uh, my little Afghan guys here that uh, I would paint them up just for, like, a change of pace. Cool. Yeah, I, I've got yeah. my set somewhere. Um, I can't even remember if I put them together or if I just thought I was going to prime them and paint them on the sprue. I'll have to look. What I, what I discovered is uh, uh, the heads, specifically, uh, they've got uh, some of the uh, uh, soldiers that have, like, a little ball on their hat. The and buff, that thing yeah. is... Uh, uh, very fiddly and doesn't necessarily want to stay on because I lost one of them. And that was just from, I mean, minor handling. Right. Uh, so, so be careful there. You may need to reinforce if you're using those uh, particular head sculpts, although it comes with a bunch of heads. So there's more heads than there are bodies. So you may not even have to use them. Exactly. But they go, to, they, they go together real nice. They look nice. Nice. Cool little dudes. Yeah, they are. They're very well sculpted. I, I don't know if they're Perry miniature sculpts or because they're from Warlord, um, right? Or if, if somebody else sculpted them. But um, I'll have to look into that further and see who did those. But typically, if they're uh, Perry sculpts, that you know they're well done and they're historically accurate. So yeah, they look great. They yeah, look good detail. Uh, didn't require a bunch of cleanup. Uh, right. Yeah. So one of these days. I will get invited to play at the Perry Brothers Wargaming Room with them and Rick Priestley and Alessio and those guys. Someday. He says. I say. We'll see. <laughs> I have better chance of being invited to the White House for the presidential dinner than I do the Perrys at this point. So. All right. Yeah. Mr. Big Jim. What's going on, sir? Only 16 miniatures? Really? This week I completed 67 miniatures. Oh, it's a contest now. Hold on, flag on the play. Are yours virtual or real? (laughs) No, these are real. No, didn't you see his uh, Discord? Speaking of which, guys, make sure you subscribe to our Discord. They are all over our Discord. They're also, yeah, they're on our Discord. They're, um, although my friend Martin tells me that they're 50 millimeters, so they don't count. (laughs) <laughs> because it's not a real miniature, which, hell no, man, that, that ain't right. 
Yeah, you, like you, two thousand fifteen millimeter miniatures. Don't tell me fifteen millimeters don't count, man. Exactly. I'll, I'll go walk into traffic on nine ninety five. That'll be. I saw just take the quick way out. Don't do that. Yeah, shots fired. No, yeah, but 15, mil, fifteen millimeter miniatures don't count. Shut up, man. Right. Well, I hope everyone liked the show. Make sure to like us on Facebook. I am Jim Jim signing off. We'll miss you all. No, I doubt it. We want video though. Goodbye, crew oh. world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, okay, um, they may count, but they don't count as a full. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. 15 millimeter definitely count because if 10 count and 6 count and 3 count, they count. Okay, then there's got to be a, you know, half the size of a 28 millimeter. So, But you got to paint more. But, I was going to say, but, it, but it's twice as hard to paint. And so I put more detail on my 15 mils than most people put on their 28. Exactly. So. I was just going to say, in today's world, the amount of detail that's on smaller-scale models is mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that I was trying to Wait a minute. help you out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because I, I don't even put it's we're talking here about painting miniatures and whether it counts or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just Martin, if you listen to our podcast, you're the one that started this whole argument. By our team. So just, just, you know, collateral damage. Yeah. Oh, mother. Answer. All right. Well. Okay, maybe we could just say that Marty could have painted more if he wasn't so, with his goats. So you were painting uh, Soviets, right, Jim? Those are what's, what, what they yeah, were? Yeah, I finally finished off that. But by the way, I'm officially, we, we're joking around about me being dead. I am now officially dead. Um, the, 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 myth or whatever the saying goes that if you ever actually reach the bottom of your pile of shame if you literally run out of all miniatures what you die so i've now run out of all miniatures i have wait a minute nothing to wait a minute miniatures. hold on a minute yeah. hold on a minute well, that's, yeah, that's the story there's that's no story. way in proper hell that a true war gamer has completely run out of their pile of shame yeah. Yeah. i have right. completely run out of my pile of shame i have zero left there's I'm sure you've got something that can be stripped and repainted. There's, there is I something did. in a box somewhere. There's nope. a sprue. Negative Ghost Rider. Pattern is full. Negative I'm, Ghost Rider. I'm, I'm not saying it's not time for me to go out and buy some more stuff. I'm <laughs> saying I am bingo, zip, nothing. Wow. Nothing in my, my pile does not exist. That is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it plan, my friend. Good for you. <laughs> it took a year and a half. I don't I know. Get there. I made up my mind to just look. I'm not going to buy. Everyone always says, I'm going to stop buying stuff until I finish everything I have. Hey, this is the guy that did it. Stopped buying things. The problem was people kept giving me stuff. I'm like, yeah, I stopped giving me stuff. Like my last four or five. Oh, wait a minute. Problem. <laughs> yeah. Don't say stop giving me stuff. Say thank you. I appreciate the <laughs> kind gifts. And uh, oh, if you want to send more to the Sit Rep podcast, uh, especially, hey, hey, you know. Oh, no. I, I, Jim, if you need stuff oh. to do, I got stuff for you to do. Yeah, how you feel about the American Civil War? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't do enough for the Sit Rep podcast. Take on some more work. I mean, I have a whole bunch of 28 millimeter Civil War stuff. I got 15 mil Civil War stuff, and I've got six mil Napoleonic. So, Jim, if you really need something to paint, I'd be happy to send you something. So, 
Jim is looking forward to you posting your progress on the Facebook uh, yeah, Discord and YouTube. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Somebody. <laughs> our Discord is like me and like the rest of our community. I haven't seen one of us on Discord in a while. What's I posted on Discord. No photos of uh, No, that's true. That's true. That is true. Yeah, I, I, there. Say, I, should, I, should I haven't put, posted anything, but I've been on there. Yeah. No pictures, I'm no county. Worker. Right? Isn't that the, the thing? No photos that didn't happen? All right, yep. If a tree falls in the forest, that, you know, nobody hears <laughs> it. If, if a miniature is painted that no one photographed it, it was actually painted. All right, well, Mr. Jim has painted some Soviets. You know what? I think you're a closet commie. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, you prefer yeah. you're you're almost like the AK guy. I yeah I don't know if you watch I, YouTube, but I, I I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and I know we're just kind of kidding around. Um, however, in, in a in a slight like in every in, inside every joke, there's a kernel of truth. Uh-huh. By no means am I any kind of freaking lefty or so. Well, I'm a lefty, but I'm not a socialist. I'm not a I'm not a communist. Come on, come on. Um, but uh, since I've been like 12 years old, I have pretty much lived and breathe and, you know, ate everything. I, I pretty much just lived. That was my, that was my starting point was Eastern front of World War II. Yeah. And, uh, once you really get sunk into, I mean, re- most, most so-called World War II gamers or World War II experts or even World War II buffs don't know the first friggin' thing about the second world war. Cause they completely neglect the Eastern front. Once you get deep into the Eastern front, I'm not trying to get political here. You do walk away with the respect for those people. Sure. You, you really, really do. The, um, the, the numbers, um, it was a study run. I actually have it on paper here. I'll have to post a copy of it, take some photos of the pages or something where they added up the total number of German divisions, Axis divisions, not just Germans, all their allies. Um, and they multiplied all their divisions, and then they also figured out how many months they were deployed on which theater. Like you almost do like a manpower study at work, yeah. like a division right. month study for World War II, and you come up with like like forty five hundred division months or something like that. And it's it's like it's not even close. It's like eighty nine percent, ninety two percent. It's something. It's right around ninety. I think it's a little below ninety percent. And on top of that, you're talking about like. You know, 75% of German divisions were destroyed. In, in the, the Third Reich went to Russia to die. Mm-hmm. The greatest generation, it's buried in the soil of Belarus, Ukraine, and, and Russia, really. That, that's, 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 that's who beat Hitler. Um, everybody else was all, everyone else helped, and everyone else, I mean, I always say Great Britain put in the time, the Soviets put in the blood, and America picked up the check. That's, that's World War II in a nutshell. Um, a very cynical nutshell, but. Yeah, I mean, if if you spend thirty years uh, studying the, the Eastern Front, mm-hmm. um, I mean, God knows you don't agree with them, you know, ideologically or politically. But holy shit, I mean, never mind, never mind the government or the army. Just what the what the people went through. It's it's absolutely insane, and it's a warning. I mean, if te- something like Team Yankee ever happens, or if God forbid something really kicks off in Belarus or Ukraine, I'm sure people have been watching what's going on in the news lately with Belarus. If we really have to go head to head with those people, I mean. They're tough. They're, they've been through stuff that our culture just simply never has. We we lose our shit when Facebook goes down for half a day. <laughs> I mean, what happens if twenty percent of your of your population dies? Yeah, 
um, in four years. There's just no, there's just no conception of it. Also, yes, you need bad guys for your games, so I paint all the bad guys. Come on, that's true. true. That's true. That's true. Well, we do know that that area is very green, because you know we know what makes green grass grow. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I finished up uh, the whole. Uh, Stalingrad uh, project recently, and uh, in the course of, I mean, I've, kind of, I've run across this a bunch of times. I ran across it again. In certain, they don't call it Stalingrad anymore; they call it Volgograd. Certain parts of Volgograd, even up north of Leningrad, a few other spots. Um, whenever a construction company goes to, even now in 2020, 2021, whenever a construction company goes to build anything bigger than a residential house, like a civic building or a highway or a bridge, mm-hmm. um, not always, but sometimes they have to put like an additional month or a couple of weeks into their building plan um, because odds are, well, I won't say odds are, that, that's hyperbole. There's a distinct possibility that whenever you dig a big enough hole anywhere in the western part of what used to be the Soviet Union, you're going to hit bone. You're going to hit human remains. And then you have to yeah. call in the museums and the you know the people to kind of sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't forget about EOD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot of that too. There's, there's some of that still in France. There, there are roads in France. I've been there. There are roads in France you're not allowed to drive down. And that's not even World War II. That's World War One. Stuff stuff there from 1918 that they never completely cleaned up. I mean, there's just minefields and arse. Yeah. Short answer, hell yeah. Yeah, EOD for sure. Yep. And still, their roads are not as bad as what we have here in the Midwest. They're which now? They're roads? The roads. Oh, roads. So there's roads right. that you can't drive down because yeah. of the mines. Have you seen the potholes here in Chicago? There, there are roads you're yeah. not allowed Our, to drive down. The, the, the state uh, of the highways just look like they've been bombed. <laughs> Come down to Florida sometime. Drive down I four. Come down and see Disney World. <laughs> they drive down I four. You'll feel like you're dodging RPGs when no rockets are flying. It's a mess up there. All right. Well, let's see. What did I do? Well, I made a video with Joey. Um, sorry about the um, music thing. Uh, I started using a new video editing software. Tried to get away from Adobe and subscription services. I just, I don't know. Lately, I've had a problem with using a subscription service for software. I'd rather just pay for it. And then if an upgrade comes out and it's a big upgrade and they want me to pay for it, fine, I'll pay for it. I don't want to pay a monthly subscription anymore. So, hi, Jim. I see you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I meant to mute myself when I accidentally hung up. Uh, webcam. Oh. Anyway, um, so I've been I have been trying to learn a Vegas Pro. Um, actually, I think it's Movie Maker. I think I'm going to upgrade to Vegas Pro because it's a little bit more, you know, the speed I need versus Movie Maker, which you know it's for just about anybody who doesn't know how to do video editing. Um, but it, it really has a, there's a learning curve there. If you're used to using Adobe products, you know, if I, I'm so used to premiere, I could do it in my sleep and now, uh, to switch over, um, there's some little nuances. So, but anyway, uh, Joey and I got to play, um, Cowboys two. That's the name of the game from Worthington publishing. Uh, we played scenario two, which is the shootout at okay corral. And unfortunately you guys missed the, uh, last 20 minutes or so of the video because, the camera I had, I didn't realize it, but it has a 30-minute recording limit, freaking Europe. Um, I have to get the software to um, fix that. 
Um, there is a U EU law that video recorders can only record in 30 minute bytes. So, um, you know, and if you're not what paying, the heck is that about? I don't know, something EU thing, uh, that you have to make sure you're paying attention to the camera and, you know, make sure it's continues to record and not just shut down and stop recording. But anyway, so Joey and I played it out. Uh, it got down to the point where Wyatt got shot. Um, Virgil was shot. Doc Holliday pretty much almost died. And uh, Morgan was the only one who came out unscathed. So um, Joey was putting a whooping on Doc Yeah, he was. At the beginning. <laughs> he thought it was funny. He's like, I'm going after Doc. So, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Thank God Doc Holliday had the shotgun because I think that's the only thing that saved him at one point. So, Doc Holliday is one of the more dangerous people on the table, at least historically. Yeah. Uh, if memory serves, that's why they gave him the shotgun. Yeah. They figured he'd be a little less accurate and a little slower with it. They're like, look, if we give, if we send Doc Holliday down there with his normal, like, two pistols, the gunfight's basically already started. Then we're trying <laughs> to cool things off. So. Yeah, exactly. Give him the street howitzer. They'll be a little less nervous. Exactly. So, uh, real quick, Cowboys 2, uh, it's a fun game. Um, it's a definitely not going to be a big serious type game. It's 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 a game that anybody could, you know, play with family and friends. Uh, you know, Joey's, what, nine? And, uh, you know, he picked it up right away. Um, easy to play. Uh, definitely can. we're going to convert it to miniatures versus the standees because we have – uh, Western buildings. I uh, have Western miniatures, right? And uh, so we could actually play those those rule set with miniatures. So and that they're one inch squares. So you know you can move them so many inches and blah blah blah. So um, yeah, we're gonna give it a shot in miniature form. But he, we enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed it too. Again, sorry for the audio. If I can, I'll go back and remaster it. I, at this point, you know, it's been out so long, it may not even be worth doing it. It might just have to move on to the next video. But that's, For anybody out there who's thinking about checking this out, I mean, you literally just go past, like, the first five minutes. Yeah. Of this, it's fine. Yeah. So um, you, you definitely get a flavor for the game. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, it you know, and it's a good way to get your uh, kids or grandkids into playing a war game. So... Joey loves to play games, so he he's up for just about anything. All right. Marty? Are you ready, sir? It is now time for the news with Marty. Sir, take it away. All right. Hold on a second. I was downstairs refilling. I'm, I, I've run off a of coffee. Sorry. So one moment while I get back to the computer so we can talk about this because I've got uh, seven or eight uh, kind of quick hit, quick hit items, if you will. Uh, come back to life, Mr. Computer. There we go. All right. So first up. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Westerns, mm-hmm. uh, there's some new Wild West sidekicks for Gunfighter's Ball from our friend Forrest over at uh, Knuckle Duster Miniatures. Yep. So, so uh, yeah, they've got the, uh, Mr. Spangles holding two pistols. they got the Little Sunflower, 
female holding a holding a pistol out and I uh, got a dagger or a knife in her other hand. Uh, and then let's see, uh, one, two, three, four other ones: Old Bud, uh, Malachi, and Old Abe. So, and those dudes are all uh, all carrying uh, rifles, except for Malachi. He's got a pistol and a couple of bandoliers across them. Some good looking stuff. Uh, we like Forrest's uh, sculpts. He does a great job with them, and these look terrific as well. So you can go to uh, knuckledusterminiature.com and check those out if you're into Westerns. Yep. Most definitely. Very cool. Yeah. What and then got? moving along, uh, you know, we're going to go from the Old West to uh, the New Romans. And I say New Romans because uh, they're actually uh, – uh, when Rome was new, DMV Miniatures has uh, some new uh, Roman uh, ancients. Uh, the uh, uh, what, how do you say this? Hestati, but uh, they are uh, early yeah, Roman Hestati. army. Yeah, those are uh, those are uh, pre-imperial, probably Republican mm-hmm. uh, Roman Republic uh, troops. <laughs> yeah, very early era of the Republic. But uh, again, those are not some nice uh, looking uh, uh, miniatures. These are, are 28 millimeter uh, resin. Good clean sculpts there. So, uh, uh, you know, they've got rounded shields and all these dudes have, uh, I was going to say spears. There's a name for them and I can't remember what they're called. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the, 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 the usual term is either Lancey or Pelham, but that wouldn't apply this early in, the, in their Republican history. It's yeah. before the, the Marius reform, or now, yeah, Marius standardization reforms. Uh, I, um, think they, I think they still refer to them as, uh, it's an article here somewhere I'm looking at it. I think they still refer to them as Pelham. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Yes. So they've got that. But the, uh, these aren't like the classic Red Crest Romans, I'm guessing, uh, just by no. what you're telling me, that you see in like the old Bible movies. This is going to be like two, maybe 300 years prior to uh, that, when yeah. before the army was really standardized. Right, yeah, well before that. Uh, and they've got uh, uh, large round shields. You know, so it's uh, you know, before they had the more squared off ones uh, when they were uh, battling a phalanxes. But uh, they are nice, clean sculpts, and there's a pack of four, it looks like, uh, that they're showing off uh, in the article anyway. But uh, like I said, good, clean-looking sculpts. If you're uh, if you're playing ancients, uh, specifically uh, early Romans, some good-looking dudes for you. Nice. And then uh, moving, uh, moving along to uh, terrain. So... This one is, is is really intriguing. So foreground is adding uh, Mad Bob's folding terrain to its store. Mm-hmm. Saw that, so, yeah, yeah. So this is this is really cool uh, storage option, and especially if you are uh, uh, transporting your terrain to you know. Uh, conventions, stores, whatever uh, play. You know, you got to go somewhere to play, but you you're the guy bringing the terrain. Um, this would probably make it much easier. So, you know, think about, uh, you know, the, the terrain that uh, foreground already makes, but now it folds up. So literally like, uh, like, a, like a little accordion, the walls fold up, and then uh, the roof is either a separate piece that folds up or it folds right into uh, 
the piece itself. So it's all one piece. So it's pretty cool looking. Uh, let's see. What do they have here? It looks like, so they've got like a, like a warehouse industrial building. They've got a house. They've got uh, like a residential apartment building looking thing. And then, uh, like, a just a couple chunks of, uh, of ruins where it's just like the, the corner of a building. So those are some pretty, uh, pretty neat options for folks that uh, are looking to, uh, be able to, uh, in particular travel with their stuff or, uh, you know, storage is at a premium and they need to be able to make their terrain smaller. This is a pretty good option. So, uh, you can uh, go over to foreground and uh, check out their preview of this stuff. A uh, couple of Kickstarter updates. Uh, this one is pretty much just for me uh, because it's blood and plunder. Um, they, uh, they had extended their pledge manager and to uh, the 12th. And so that is done. Uh, and, but they're, uh, they also included a, a fall update on that. Uh, so as far as production goes, they're on schedule, they're on time, uh, they're anticipating a, uh, a January release and sending it out to their backers. However, <laughs> as we all know, there's supply mm-hmm. uh, issues here. So uh, that's a concern for them. Uh, you know, the, they said that the, uh, the factory in China says that they're, they're all good to go. They'll be completed by uh, – the deadline, but with international shipping, they're not sure how that's going to affect things. Um, uh, they, be, you know, they believe everything will uh, be ready on time, but there may be uh, shipping delays just due to the logistics side of issues. Um, <laughs> as they say, despite these issues, we are still optimistically planning for a January 2022 release. We have our fingers crossed that the rest of the journey will bring us fair winds and smooth seas. I think they're being overly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to hear that uh, you know production and all all that stuff is going well. But I think uh, I think the shipping uh, is really going to be a challenge for those guys. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that may. I mean, just like it, just about everybody. So, it's, yeah. I mean, that's not. That's not a, you know, Firelock Games is, is yeah. stupid and jack this up. It's just that is the state of the world right now. Exactly. Yeah, sadly, you're going to be adding a couple of weeks. What is it, like three weeks to get through the Panama Canal at this point? Yeah, like just that. about. I, I used to work in that a little bit in that business. It was always at least a week or two. Yeah, and if you, you know, your ships are waiting in line, and now it's God knows how bad it is. Yeah, and if you're trying to get into, like, if you're uh, – bring them over to the U S and you're trying to get into a port in California. Good luck. Cause I'm pretty sure the line ends at Hawaii right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And, um, I know some companies are actually starting to fly stuff into the country versus ship it because, you know, it's the only way they can get product delivered. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to say, cause they want stuff. And then <laughs> that, yeah, as you said, that's, that's the only way they can get it in a timely fashion. Plus as you know, with the cost of shipping, uh, uh, you know, via actual ships has yeah. gone up so much that now it's comparable to flying it. So why not? Exactly. So crazy. You know, and then, you know, that there are, leads. There are, uh, there are ghosts of about 30,000 German U-boat fatalities at the bottom of the Atlantic going, whatever they're doing, why didn't we try that? <laughs> just cutting off America from all shipping. Well, oh, something went wrong. We, 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 did, we weren't doing it right. 
should have done it with COVID and not torpedoes. So I'm going to jump on my political soapbox for a second. This is why the United States, and this can speak to any country, but especially the United States, we've gotten so reliant on foreign manufacturing production. Look what happens, you know? Uh, yeah. If if we were able to produce products like we used to in this country, then I don't know that we'd have the supply issues we're having now. That's not to say we'd be perfect and everything would be untouched, but uh, I think we've become too reliant on foreign manufacturing just to save a buck or two, but now it's biting us in the ass. And let's turn it to the wargaming side. And, Jim, you're the logistics guy and the supply guy. Where does 99% of our manufactured goods come from? Um, a lot of, a lot more of our manufacturing comes from our country than, than a lot of people think. Yeah, but where um, when you pick out something from Walmart, wherever, where does it say it's made in, typically? When you buy a Mercedes, where does it come from? It comes from South Carolina. When you buy a Volkswagen, where does it come from? You're not helping my point, Jim. My point. I, I don't agree. Really agree with your point. At least with <laughs> the the. Uh, the uh, the scale. I mean, yeah. When you go to Walmart and you buy some cheap five dollar, you know, piece of plastic, yeah, it comes from either Taiwan, China, or South Korea or Japan. It comes right. From one of those uh, Pacific Rim uh, uh, economies, probably China. So, uh, so basically, if we ever went to war with China, we would lose out on all that. We lose out on our Walmart garbage. Yeah, we would. Well, I mean, they would lose out on. I mean, what ninety percent of their ninety percent of their uh, their their uh, GDP? Because who else do they sell to? I mean, true. Trade deficits work both ways. True. First well, of all, that's a terrible. That's a terrible, terrible name for it. Trade deficit. It, it makes it sound yeah. like somebody owes somebody else money. That's not what a goddamn trade deficit does. If I had a penny for every time I had to fix somebody on that, um. I mean, it is an imbalance, but it's not a deficit. It's not like we owe China $7 trillion. That's not what it... Anyway, let me get off of my political soapbox <laughs> before we turn into uh, the Bill Maher show or something. Uh, we knew we were going to get Jim so fired up this morning. Right? No, man, I've already been accused of being a communist today, so you all <laughs> <laughs> You're going to seize the means of production, so just stand by. Yeah, how about it? You know, but uh, you know, kind of, kind of to Bill's point, though, I think that within the uh, uh, tabletop wargaming industry, you know, if it's not uh, out of the UK, it there's a pretty good chance that uh, it's uh, coming out of China. Yeah, I mean, they they do produce a lot of our stuff, particularly uh, the things that are made out of plastic. True. True. Right. You can almost expand that to other kinds of gaming. Um, uh, pretty much anybody who's trying to build a PC these days, anyone who's trying to buy a PC these days, get ready. Right. Because at the Persian Gulf, uh, this actually happened before. Um, in, I think, 2011, a huge uh, monsoon or typhoon or something hit Thailand and, like, flooded the whole country or something like that. And it was like, oh, well, I hope nobody in the world needs computers for the next 18 months. Oh, wait, what? The whole our whole civilization is relying on computers because uh, it was something at the time. It's no longer the case, but at the time, it was something like eighty percent of the world's hard drives came from like these four factories in northern Thailand somewhere. They were all yeah. under like eight feet of water now. Yeah, I was gonna say they were all underwater too. I remember. Yeah. Was it was it hard drives or was it memory? 
it, I remember it was hard drives, and that's when uh, we switched over from HDD from hard drives to uh, solid state. And then also our supply chain guys went on like a, uh, a Indiana Jones around the world like blitz tour and bought like every freaking hard drive they could, even though they were paying like triple price, and so that we didn't have to pass that on to our customers. It was 2010, 2011, 2012. It was right around there. Yeah. I remember when there was the same sort of thing with uh, memory. It was something about the the one factory that made the glue for the chips and the memory gems was, you know, was down. It might have been the same event. Because, yeah, a lot of our components, I mean, okay, yeah, we build, you know, all, like, you know, let's talk about supply chain and logistics, um, especially vis-a-vis the tech market. Um, a lot more recent than my Marine Corps history is, yeah, all these computers are built right here in Silicon Valley. All the parts, all the components come from Malaya, come from Taiwan, come from uh, Thailand. So, I mean, I know a second ago I was, you know, blathering about how much stuff is made here in the U.S., at least a lot more than most people think. Mm-hmm. Even those industries where we do still manufacture a hell of a lot more. American manufacturing is dead. No, it's not, dude. It really isn't. At the same time, I know I'm kind of arguing against myself here. Um, just because you're building something here in the U.S., supply chains are so interdependent now that they're your subcontractors and your and their subcontractors and their subcontractors, God only knows where they are. And that helps, you know, that tends to impact even within a problem, even a part a time of, even in a time when you're not having all these supply chain issues and everything's working smoothly. Yeah. You have all kinds of quality issues, compatibility issues. You know, I, this, this, you know, this, uh, this ADC or whatever, this, this, um, this, um, this server blade or whatever these are building has, you know, came from this five star factory over in San Francisco or something, why is it failing? Well, it's got these, you know, shitty ass power drives or uh, power sources or you know, hard drives or who knows what so SSDs from Timbuktu. I mean, who knows where this stuff came from? And uh, yeah, as to back to Bill's point and to sort of back up, I know I was kind of working, talking against Bill before, but now to, to back him up, um, yeah, just because you build something here in the U.S. doesn't mean you build the parts. The parts still have to come from somewhere, and they're probably sitting out on those containers in mm-hmm. Hawaii, like Marty was talking about. Yeah, look at those uh, fields of brand-new vehicles that can't be sold yet because they're all waiting chips. Yep. Well. I, mean, I saw it in the news today, well, like, I, like a whole bunch of factories have, have mysteriously exploded in China, like all at once. Mm-hmm. Has anyone seen that? No, I haven't seen that, no. No, yeah, I like on the flip side, with this whole supply chain thing, in our in our in this industry, the the hobby industry, we've got a lot more independent uh, builders. You know, all of the people out there with their own three D printer and so so forth. So, as hobbyists, we we have to fill the gap ourselves. Yeah, but where's your three D printer come from? Well, I've already got it. Because I've already got it, that means I can I can run it. It's fine, okay. Well, when the apocalypse comes <laughs> and you know, COVID ninety seven hits and literally wipes out everybody <laughs> and there's nothing left of anyone, we can all go to walkabout games because he already has all the three printers. Right? <laughs> all he, of he, them. Is, he's, 
He's uh, China slash Canada all in one. He's up there. He's oil mech our minis for us. All right. And, and specifically to your, to your point, when when the printers die, that dude's got the ability to spin cast. Right. He can just switch them out. Old school, like Ralph Partha miniatures. I exactly. Ah, Ralph Partha. Like 1982 or something. Yeah. Yeah, that was a hard flex. I was talking some smack to him, and he's like, yeah, I should whip out the spin cast. I'm like, <laughs> No, you don't. He posted a picture of them. Yep. Damn. He's got two of them. Oh, yeah. All right. What else you got in the news, Marty? All right. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, update uh, near and dear to my heart because it's a game I like. Uh, Delta 1-0 uh, is putting out Operation uh, Frostbite. And uh, there's like two days left to go on that Kickstarter. So uh, if you, you like that, uh if you like the original game, they're Black Winter. Uh, this is the uh, uh, super expansion version of it, so there's all sorts of goodies that uh, come with it. Uh, you get uh, some new factions, and uh, you know it is a full-on kit, so you don't need the first one mm-hmm. uh, to play. You could play this one uh, right by itself. It's got everything that you need. And then it comes with uh, some Eastern Block dudes, uh, Motor Rifle Brigade, uh, Strelok specifically, uh, and then uh, some NATO uh, United Kingdom uh, peacekeepers. But with the stretch goals that are in Kickstarter, uh, you can also get uh, some Spetsnaz guys. Mm-hmm. And those are some kind of cool-looking sculpts. You, know, so you got to like that. You can also get some SAS guys, very nice-looking sculpts there as well. So kind of like that. And then, uh, you know, as you go through the goals, uh, they've got like upgraded cards, uh, for, uh, 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 being able to upgrade your character, command order cards. Uh, they've got some, uh, uh, fog of war rules that they get thrown in upgraded tokens and such, as well as, uh, let's see, what card did they unlock down here? Uh, some weapon and equipment, uh, STLs. So if you have access to a 3d printer, you can upgrade your dudes to make them WYSIWYG by printing out, uh, some, uh, additional weapons. They've got a, uh, MI6 secret agent guy. Secret. Uh, they've got agent. some, uh, GRU, GRU dudes. Cool. Uh, and then their next one, uh, that they haven't unlocked. And I don't know if they're going to make it, uh, is a EOD guy. Uh huh. So, We'll have, to, we'll have to see if they make it that far. But uh, Are you backing I, it? I enjoy the game. What's that? Are you backing it? Uh, I have not backed the Kickstarter, no. Because <sighs> I'm trying to be a good boy and not spend money. So I'm going to wait to spend money until you know it's expensive retail and then go do it. <laughs> and, and I have two Kickstarters that I'm waiting on to come in. Although so the, only thing, the, only, the only thing worse than, than we're like, what, a week away from Black Friday? And we're just like, look, I'm not going to spend money. I'm not going to spend money. It's like two weeks before Christmas. I'm, gonna, I'm going on a diet. I'm going to lose 20 pounds before New Year's. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at, Jim. You, you definitely nailed that because, you know, I can't, uh, you know, the, the all-in pledge is like 150 bucks. So uh, it's not uh, crazy expensive. And... Uh, uh, these guys are out of New Zealand, so I don't know if they're all produced in New Zealand. I know that they have U.S. distributor here because that's where I got my uh, my original set. Uh, but uh, again, if you got to move stuff around and it's coming from New Zealand to to the U.S. as well as the rest of the world, um, yeah, you're going to run into supply chain issues. Um, what what, what uh, which company is this again? 
it's by Bonza Games. Okay. Uh, I only ask because I think Battlefront is in New Zealand. Yes. And um, how they usually get around these kind of issues is they also have a, t- a distribution center somewhere in Maryland. So at least here in the U.S., whenever you buy something from, um, I mean, sometimes when you buy something from Battlefront, you, you're, it's actually getting shipped from uh, Maryland, and it gets here in like two days. Yeah, well, they super so, cheap. So Bonza has a U.S. distributor, you know, uh, and like I said, that's where I got mine, uh, gotcha. my original game from. But during the initial production run, they still have to get them from wherever they're produced to the distributor. So. You know, that's where I think uh, things might get a little, little janky, you know, and again, it's, it's not the, not Bonza's fault. They didn't mess anything up. It's just the state of the world as we're in right now. So, you know, I, I kind of feel for all these dudes that are trying to, uh, uh, fulfill their Kickstarters and, you know, they're like, Hey, I got a, I got a whole warehouse full of stuff ready to go. I just can't get it shipped. So hopefully. Hopefully that's not a, not an issue for them. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, go to Kickstarter uh, Delta One Zero Operation Frostbite. Check it out, and then uh, uh, we'll hope for the best on uh, fulfillment. Not that they're not going to fulfill it, just the shipping portion. All right, moving along. Uh, our good friend over at uh, Bob Mac 3D is going to be starting a Kickstarter campaign uh, in January. And uh, they are starting to showcase some models from it. So uh, they're doing a bunch of stuff uh, from uh, basically from like the 70s. So they've got a, uh, they're showcasing a, a T64A, 1975 model. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Now these are all STLs. Uh, and then Bob Mack has got, he has had some extensive uh, ranges that he's put out uh, through Kickstarter, and they're good stuff. Bill, I think you got the Vietnam one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the models are all come pre-supported. Uh, they're designed for three scales, 15 mil, so think Team Yankee, uh, as well as uh, 28 millimeter and, or excuse me, 20 millimeter and 28 mil. Uh, again, it's 3D. So, you know, if you wanted to go micro armor scale on this and scale it down to six mil, you probably could. Um, they all have uh, stowed versions, which can be printed with the stowage in place. Uh, so that way you don't have to uh, put extra bits and greebles on your little tiny vehicles. Uh, they're all designed for resin printing. Uh, so FYI on that, uh, be really tough to print some of those small ones with an FDM anyway. But uh, he says... Uh, particular the, the larger models that uh, many gamers have had good results with an FDM printer and uh, everything's designed by uh, uh, Bob McKenzie and Brad Sanders. So uh, the usual crowd over there. So if you're interested in checking that out, uh, you can, uh, he's got uh, previews on his Facebook page, which is just Bob Mac 3d. Uh, and then uh, in January coming to Kickstarter, uh, if you want to look up uh if you want to see their past projects, because there's a bunch of them, you can go to Kickstarter and just put in Bob Mac 3D, uh, and uh, they will all pop up. But uh, the tanks that he's uh, that he's showcasing right now look pretty nice. They're pretty crispy prints. Cool. So T64 is a uh, surprisingly good tank, that one too. Um, yeah. The only I don't want to say I'm, I'm not trying to you know um, 
be contrarian here. The only issue with T-64s, that's one of the tanks that the Soviets used to build that was good enough to where they practically never exported it. Um, so it's not like the T-55 where you can literally never run out of uses for a T-55 or a BMP-1. What continent besides Antarctica has the BMP-1 Nazi combat in? Maybe Australia. <laughs> I mean, it's been literally everywhere. Right. Yeah. C-64, well, I take that back. You can use T-64s in modern Ukraine. Uh, UAF is still using some T-64 upgrades. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, like I said, there's some, uh, you know, looking at the, the pictures on his Facebook page, they, they are really detailed and nice crispy prints there. So if that's something that interests you, go check them out. And uh, I look forward to seeing what else uh, gets included with the uh, with the range. Said he's going to uh, release a uh, a preview a week, so every week he'll add another uh, another uh, model to uh, his Facebook, showing you what's going to be coming in January. All right, so now we're we're going to shift gears and uh, talk about something from Eureka Miniatures. However, not modern. Oh. Historical, yes. Modern, no. Twenty-eight millimeter Warring States Chinese. So, and, uh, the, these are, uh, uh, some, uh, old school, uh, Chinese and they are, he's got a, a chariot and it's a big chariot drawn by four horses. Uh, he's got a bunch of, uh, crossbow. He's got some infantry, uh, let's see here. Uh, he's got another, uh, not really a chariot. It's like a, uh, like a command wagon uh, being pulled by a bunch, but uh, uh, he's got Jesus wanted. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going through. He's got a list of everything that's in, that's in here, uh, and it's probably uh, forty different models total. Chinese in this period were really big into pole yeah. arms, so not just spears like your average, like eight foot, like almost like a hoplite spear, but a lot of. Yeah. Uh, I actually was going to build, I actually did build a big Chinese virtual miniature force for this period, but I uh, never did get around. I was going to use battle system, but I never really played it. The point is I did the research. There are names for them all. I, I forget them all. I could look it yeah, up right now. But he's got halberders, spearmen. Yeah. Um, There's uh, like three or four different types of halberd, but yeah, they were really yeah. like the huge armies of uh, basically, yeah, grunt peasant infantry with these, uh, these like bladed, Spears, Albert. They didn't call them that, but it's kind of like the Europe, Europeanized equivalent. Right. Yeah, and you know he's got a uh, armored version. He's got unarmored versions like levies or conscripts. Uh, he's got heavily armored uh, Quinn Guard. Uh, he's got some swordsmen. He's got peasants. Uh, he's got uh, a line of officers. He's got a line of musicians. So you can have a musician with a cymbal, gong, drum, or horn. Uh, he's got a general, he's got a king or a regent, he's got cavalry, uh, and the cav will have a uh, halberd, crossbow, regular bow. Uh, he's got an armored cav officer and drummer as well. Let's see, he's got a command uh, for the chariots, and these chariots, if I'm looking at them correctly, are all, I mean, one, they're big, and they're all uh, being pulled by four war horses. Uh, but he's got a command chariot, a war chariot, uh, uh, a, a, I'm sorry. He's got the uh, uh, Quinn Kin. How do you Q I N? I don't know how it's, to say it. It's Kim. It's Kim, and it's uh, it's basically um, 
so super fast because no one to derail the show. Mm. Period of Warring States is basically China was not a country in those days. It was seven different. Really, there were more, but there were seven big ones. Right. Of, uh, of different, uh, you know, different. Like Han was one, was another one, and they all just. This is where Sun Tzu, who never really lived, but this is where Sun Tzu supposedly comes from, and so. This is the period that is like China's version of Napoleonics. It's a rabbit hole that once you go down, they might see the bottoms of your feet as you dive in, but then you'll they'll never see you again. You know, kiss your <laughs> wife and children goodbye. You know, it's it's just going to be one of those things. Uh, Two hundred years, like that part of the world was absolutely ripping itself apart until one guy finally beat the other six. And uh, yeah, Xin Shuangdi, and you know, for China's first sovereign emperor. And I apologize if I mispronounced it, but I don't think I did. And uh, yeah, Qin, I think is how you pronounce it, Q Q I A, because there's no U in there. Right. Um, is where you know China actually comes from. That's where the word China. That's the root of the word China. So it's yeah. So you're talking about he, he like the first sovereign emperor. That was his state. He uh, was a little bonkers at the end there, but he was an incredibly powerful. He used to guy. I don't think he started it, but he's the guy who really accelerated and kind of pulled together the construction of the Great Wall. And um, Warhammer Grimace over in the uh, OTT community is probably a guy you can talk to a lot about that. He's really big into his Chinese history. Uh, I know a little, I mean, like, like enough to like stall the podcast, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the, I don't want to say that he's, he's basically the guy who founded China. Is, is why that name keeps popping up again. I'm pretty sure it's just pronounced Kin. Yeah, well, they've got uh, they've got some Kin command chariots, a Kin uh, war chariot, but they also have an allied command chariot and an allied war chariot. Then they've got what they call a comfy chariot. So I don't know if that's for like uh, for like the king, or if that's for you know where he's hauling his concubines around, whatever. But it's comfy. You know, That's the country together. It lasts for like, like right after he dies. A little like Alexander, his, his, his empire pretty much falls apart right after that. I think Han winds up taking it over. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But the point is, he's the guy who kind of proves that China can exist as one state. And until then, China was just basically this region that was constantly at war with itself. And this is where, yeah, this is why you see so much cavalry in, in that army. Is um, while they were divided and fighting amongst themselves, they were just meat on the table for, you know, the ancestors of the Mongols and all these people up north. And we all know how they were with horses yep. and cavalry. Um, so a lot of cavalry running around up there for sure. A lot yeah. more ground to cover. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that as well. But they are uh, they're excellent-looking uh, miniatures. And if you're into that time period, these uh, uh, painted photos I see are very nice. So uh, go over to Eureka and check them out. So you said the comfy chariot is that yeah. like a lazy boy, Uh Maybe inside it, it's huge, dude. It's like a little house on wheels. So yeah, you know, like I said, I don't know what he's hauling around in there. The first sovereign emperor, he rode around in a chariot that was pulled by like at least eight, if not like sixteen horses at one point. It was yeah, it was basically a house, um, complete with different rooms. Like it was a waiting room according to the legends or whatever. This is also the guy who was buried in his own city. And you've read stories about the terracotta. The terracotta army. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is that he basically had a scale model of China built. That was his tomb. 
diamonds in the ceiling for stars, rivers of mercury, 3,000 slaves buried with him so he wouldn't have to do any work in the afterlife. I mean, the guy was absolutely off the chain. Uh, all the pharaohs of Egypt are like, dude, calm down with uh, your with your burial <laughs> plans. Absolutely nuts. All right. Very so cool. Check that out at Eureka Miniatures. And then my final one, uh, just a quick blurb. So Rubicon Models, a uh, prolific producer. <laughs> Seems like they've always got something new. Apparently rolled out some new stuff uh, at Salute, which was uh, uh, last Saturday, a week ago. Uh, and uh, it's just some quick photos uh, of it. So they have, uh, yeah, they got some tanks. They got, uh, uh, oh, I'm not sure what that is. I was going to say LAV, but that's not an LAV. I can't tell what exactly model that is. Uh, they got a Kiwi, which is really nice looking. Got door gunner in there and whatnot. Uh, a bunch of Vietnam infantry and then a bunch of, uh, Oh, what is that? PLA uh, uh, looking uh, looking dudes, some Viet Cong dudes. So uh, if you are uh, interested in playing the Vietnam era, uh, check out uh, what Rubicon Model has. It's yeah. Some good stuff. And that, sir, is the news. Thank you very much, sir. That was a very in-depth news. So uh, get that stuff right here. Except I'm very sad, Marty. You missed a couple wow. big news pieces. Oh, I'd probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit me. What All right. What I missed? The first one is uh, Black Powder Red Earth. So, oh, my God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, how did I do that? That's that one I might back. Not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, I really, yeah. So, oh, I'm, I think I didn't do that because I talked about it uh, last show, but. Yeah, but it's like it's like rules are out, miniatures. I mean, it's like full blown available now. So, so uh, well, not full blown. Um, In two days, it will be full blown available. So last week, when so when they put when they pushed uh, put their uh, propaganda out, it said November twenty twenty two. I thought they meant the year twenty two. No, they meant November twenty second. So it, it will be out and available. Uh, you can get it on their if you're a Patreon. You can order it uh, through through uh, their Patreon, right? Yeah, if you're a patron, but it, it will become publicly available on their web page on the 22nd. So uh, as we record today, that's two days from now. So yes, yeah, that's that's a bit of news. Isn't that crazy? And it looks really cool. And I and I got a PDF preview of uh, of the rules, so there you go. Looks like it's fairly easy to uh, uh, to get into. They're not super, uh, at least the PDF version I got, not super extensive. And then, as you would expect, awesome artwork, just awesome. I mean, you know, it is a you know, it did come from a a, a graphic novel, and uh, they they've included some great graphics with it. Uh, the rule set. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to definitely make sure we take a look at that. Um, what else am I missing? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I have this couple boxes of uh, epic battles sitting here. Civil War. Well, over the last week or so, right before Salute, those sons of bitches, and I mean that with all love and respect, <laughs> 
have released the Waterloo set in Epic Battles. You can pre-order the big bundle. I did not do the pre-order on this one, surprisingly. I thought about it. Big bundle, like 500 bucks? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, I'm pretty sure it, it, it's an actual army. Right. By that, I mean, like 40,000 pieces. But, yeah. Whew. Whoa! <laughs> just, just keep going with your American Civil War. <laughs> I mean... What does the world need? One more Napoleonic player? I mean, I mean, American Civil War, man. Come right. On. So, you know, it's like... East Coast. You got to keep yeah. that home, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... If you get that uh, master kit, though, you would never run out of things to paint. This ever. true. Um, I can say, though, um, I just finished reading a couple books on the Civil War. Um so it's inspired me to make you know continue on because uh, there's several I, I did not realize and Jim you'll probably smack your forehead and say you're an idiot but I'm I'm okay uh, with that I'm actually rather weak on some but I did not realize how fractured that war was as far as armies and the division of you know the eastern campaign versus the western campaign and you know just yeah, there's, there's basically three fronts yeah western central and eastern so six armies and total, along with some very very small stuff as far west as like west texas uh new mexico although we're talking about like a total of four thousand troops like one brigade's worth over in the east yeah but yeah it's army of northern virginia versus army of the potomac the the, the, the federals named their armies after rivers and the uh confederacy named their armies after states so yeah then out west you have like army of the cumberland versus army of tennessee or uh, yeah yeah there's definitely three wars now or like three wars going on simultaneously now the western one shuts down first Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the confederates basically lose the ability to win that shiloh out west and then they lose for good uh, with uh, well, they, they lose in Shiloh and then they lose at New Orleans, so they have they've just lost the mouth of the Mississippi. Yeah, and then once you get to uh, Vicksburg, that's it. Yeah, four July seven, uh, 1863, that's it. And then there's really just two. There's that central one in Kentucky slash Tennessee slash northern Georgia, Chickamauga, Rosecrans, all that stuff like that. Hood gets deployed out there. He gets promoted to command his own army. Sherman burns Atlanta and starts his march to the sea. Once he gets to the sea, now there's really only one front, and it's sort of like dominoes. It, it just collides into this huge force uh, just out east. But at one point, yeah, there were totally three different wars going on, for sure. So, yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, it's when you really start reading in depth how some of the generals were so inept. Um, McClellan, you know, uh, supposedly this big guy, you know, smart general, but he would not commit, would not commit. The, 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 the proof that you can be too smart for combat. Right. So, and no, uh, well, something else. Yeah. I don't want to cause you to be about something on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> no courage. No, no it, it's not that he didn't have courage. He, he wanted, um, my impression from the reading I got was that he wanted to know that he had superior numbers and that it, there wasn't going to be – he wanted to make sure the victory was lopsided, right? He was, he, he was, he was, he was risk very risk-adverse. Risk yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Weird but how we know that. 
I, I, I know I'm kind of like reinforcing your point here, but just rhetorically, uh, explain Antietam. I mean, <laughs> he has him outnumbered like two to one, uh, whatever. Uh, to McClellan's credit, he's the first guy to really have like a combined I mean, some people say it's the Mexican War, which I don't really agree with, but uh, like a combined arms, like amphibious landing operation, the Seven Days Campaign, all up and down the peninsula. Uh, he's the first guy in American military history I know of to really use aerial reconnaissance. Um, he he was smart. He graduated second in his class at West Point. He was, you know, it, it, put him in front of a book and, you know, a writing desk. He was absolutely brilliant. Put him in a battlefield and he just, and once things didn't go according to this very complicated plan he had in his mind, which let's face it, it never does. Um, yeah, that's it. He just often fell apart. Yep. Assuming you could get him to actually start a battle at all. That yeah, that was his biggest issue. Is he just wouldn't. He wouldn't uh, engage. So. I mean, he was a subscriber to okay. the, the idea that, you know, wars, uh, battles are won or lost before they're fought. Battles are won in the preparation. You know, operational scale warfare is 95% maneuver, 5% combat. Yeah, bro, but sooner or later, you got to fix bayonets, man. I mean, there's there's going to be a fight. Come on, man. Get in later, there. Yeah. Yeah, take the shot. And he had two shots. Lincoln had to fire him twice. Fired him. Had a bunch of other guys that, believe it or not, were even worse. They were just as risk averse, but they were also stupid. Um, and then, you know, I'm General Miley? Side. Uh, and then right they here. finally, they, they finally brought him back and he, he lost again. I mean, yeah, so. That's why there's no aircraft carrier seen McClellan. Yeah. So, anyways. Well, there was a, a army base named McClellan. So, but anyway, um... So I have all that stuff there. So yeah, they're epic battles, uh the Waterloo set. Um right now I think it's just French and the British. Uh I don't think they have any of the other uh armies yet. Um we shall see. We shall see. I, I know that, that a lot of people over in Europe were very excited to get that uh offering. So uh hopefully we'll see some of that stuff show up on our Discord channel. Uh, I'd like to see people if they've engaged in that. Uh, but for me, I am going to get through this bloody American Civil War. So, very cool. All right, so we talked about Black Powder and uh, Epic Battles. Jim, you got a game you're going to play test tomorrow. You want to talk about it a little bit? Everybody, we have been listening to your feedback. So some of the feedback that we've, uh, we've received uh, in our Discord and our Facebook um, it, you know, is more or less, Hey guys, um, could we, uh, well, not, we've always been interactive. Uh, that's one thing that we're very good at as far as our Sunday war games go. Like I literally can't really do it without, uh, a community participation, um, by and large. But I think what some people were kind of aiming at was, you know, maybe changed up a bit because it's been, Really, two games, Panzer Leader and Valor and Victory, with occasionally Air War C-21 thrown in, Sidrup Skirmish thrown in, Battle Carry Sabo thrown in. And, um, yeah, which, okay, maybe we did have a lot of games, but they're just, it seemed like some of the, the um, um, 
feedback was like you know, to broaden the, the, the games that we feature on those Sunday uh, games. So we're doing Battle Group, um, originally by Iron Fist Publishing, and I think now uh, PSC, Plastic Soldier Company, owns the license. Um, I go to the PSC website, and uh, I notice that this book is no longer on offer or no longer being planned, or uh, I don't know what happened with this. But one of the PSC books for um, – and maybe I'm just out of date, but I was on the, I was on the site yesterday. But uh, one of the PSC books is for Central Pacific, or actually no, they, I think they call it uh, Pacific War Battle Group Battle Group uh, Battle Group Pacific War. So the reason I wanted to do this one was today, 20th November, is the anniversary of uh, Second Marine Division's landing on Tarawa. Technically, Betio Island and the Tarawa Atoll, but it's pretty much always known as Bloody Tarawa. So Tarawa was um, one of the first big marine landings, at least in the Central Pacific. This was the start of Chester Nimitz's Central Pacific Drive. And um, yard for yard, except maybe some of the factories in Stalingrad, it might be the bloodiest real estate in World War II. Um, this is a board that uh, would not take up very much space. That island is maybe 200 yards wide at its narrowest point. It's like 1.7 miles long, held by 45,000, I'm sorry, 4,500 Japanese and uh, Korean laborers and assaulted by half of 2nd Marine Division, if not more. It was absolutely huge. Pretty much everybody died, at least on the Japanese side. The Americans paid an absolutely horrific cost. I mean, the Marines took one of the all-time bloody noses taking this place. And, um, this is important for modern gaming because one of the reasons Tarawa went so horribly sideways, I mean, they did eventually win after three days, but uh, they paid way too much for it. The landing was not smooth at all. It's a coral atoll, which is pretty much a collapsed volcano in the water. So a tiny little bit of the volcano was still sticking above the water. That's literally the island, obviously. But the rest of the rim of that caldera has sunken beneath the water. This is just how, if you look at any of the Pacific island chains, uh, even nowadays on Google Earth, you're going to see that they have like, they almost look like a necklace. Um, and it's because it's a sunken volcano, and then coral builds up on top of that rim, and you, know, you get these coral reefs that are formed either in a triangle or a circle or a weird kind of a shape. And that kind of surrounds that central island, or that island is part of that rim. So the Marines are going in to land on this coral atoll, and they only have like these old, like 1914 German maps from when the German Empire used to control this place before World War One. And they said, uh, "Okay, so how are we going to take this place? Well, we don't have enough Amtraks. Um, so unlike what we see in Saving Private Ryan, um, Marines in the Pacific were up against much tougher opponents than the Germans at D-Day, especially vis-a-vis amphibious uh, uh, landings." So they actually had like these amphibious um, tractors, the Amtraks they have today, just a smaller, older version of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a tracked vehicle that was amphibious. So when this thing would hit a coral reef that was only like three feet under the water, the tracks would catch on the coral and it would crawl over the coral and keep on trucking. And once it got to the beach, it wasn't like a Higgins boat. The ramps were in the back, so it's not, we all saw what happened in Saving Private Ryan when the ramp is in the front smooth move, whoever designed that. Um, the ramp drops in the back, and you're now um, disembarking your troops from under armor and under suppressive fire, because this thing carried like four machine guns, 230 cals and 250 cals. 
And that was before they started putting tank guns and howitzers and flamethrowers and assault mortars. And I mean, the Marines just went crazy on these things. Um, the problem was this is very early in the Pacific War. It's only November 1943, November 20th, like literally today. And uh, they only had enough Amtrak's for the first wave. Second, third, and fourth wave were all in those horrible Saving Private Ryan Higgins boats. And the Amtrak's made it over that that uh, that um, coral reef with no problem. The Higgins boats didn't. So two horrible things happened. Number one, the first wave landed with no support and nobody could get to them. And they were hung out there to dry for at least, I don't even know, man, like at least half a day. And what was worse was, I mean, we all saw what happened in Saving Private Ryan. Take that times five. These guys had to disembark from the Higgins boats half a mile in some places out from the beach into neck or eye deep water and walk through 2,000 yards, wade really, swim actually, through uh, like 2,000 yards of, or 1,000 yards, I said about half a mile, through about, uh, through about 1,000 yards of, uh, you know, Japanese machine gun and uh, mortar fire. The losses were absolutely horrific. And the big takeaway was, okay, the map said this. Uh, there was a New Zealand officer that was with the Marines that said, no, I used to live here. I lived in the Sound for 15 years. I'm telling you, those reefs are a lot more shallow than you think. You've got the tides all messed up. You've got the timing of your attack not right. Your maps are like from 1918, whatever. Nobody knows. These maps are terrible. Trust me, you need to have guys go in ahead of time, scout out the beach under cover of darkness or whatever, and come back and tell you what's really going on on these beaches. So this starts with the Navy called the U.S. Fro uh, the the, the, uh, the Navy Frogmen. They would like scuba gear into the island at night and like literally take out a tape measure and measure how deep the water really is, where the reefs really are, where Japanese defenses really are, how the coastline is really shaped, if there are any minefields and things like that. Eventually, they started taking explosives with them and said, okay, we're actually going to start blowing holes in these coral reefs or holes in Japanese minefields or even beach defenses. They'd, then they'd be called UPTs, underwater demolition teams. And then a little bit after World War II ended, they grew into what we call, survey says, wait for it, U.S. Navy SEALs. So, yeah, the U.S. Navy SEALs, there's a direct line of sight. They literally start at Tarawa. Tarawa was the battle that proved that we were going to need something like what would become the Navy SEALs. So that's the battle that we're going to be doing tomorrow. We're going to be doing it in 20 millimeter virtual miniatures. Um, I've got an eight by five table set up um, in the computer with, you know, scaled and actually measured out like down to the millimeter, um, one to 72 or actually one to 76, um, 20 millimeter miniatures with little tanks that actually rotate the turrets. Um, I'm working on infantry and artillery today. The bunkers are all set up. The maps are already set up. We got all our historical research done. There will be a little bit of tank on tank action, which probably didn't happen in real Tarawa, but we're gonna go ahead. I mean, the tanks were there. I don't think they actually fought each other on, on actual Tarawa. They're probably gonna fight each other in tomorrow's game. Um, it's gonna be an experiment. Uh, people in the community have been asking us to play more miniatures games. so. I mean, it's still going to be in a computer, but we're going to have the miniature rule set, and we're going to feature that rule set. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. There was a 1944-45 Pacific War Battle Group book, or at least they were going to release it. I can't find it now. I don't know if it was canceled or, or what happened with that. Um, at least it's not on the PSC site. 
So I could be uh, kind of talking about my third point of contact here, but um, yeah, we definitely wanted to try that. And again, because of the date, we're going with Taramon. So the, the short story is we've heard your feedback and we are going to you know, start trying to bring in some, some different games, some more miniature themed games um, into our Sunday content. Very cool. Very cool. All right. That sounds exciting. Sounds exciting. All right. So, something for you guys to think about for the next show. We're coming to that time of the year where, you know, holiday season. And what are your recommendations for um, a Christmas present? Uh, what items out there would you say for our Wargamer? So uh, our next show will be our Christmas shopping show. So think about things that would make good gifts for gamers, whether they're beginners, intermediate, or experts, right? There's a lot of products out there. So uh, shopping lists. So even if your significant other doesn't listen to the podcast, which they should, but even if they don't, you might get some ideas and you can drop hints and say, hey, you know what I'd like for Christmas? And um, so think about that and think about what one thing you would really like to see under the Christmas tree. If, if you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever, you know, celebration you do this time of year. And uh, we'll talk about it on the next show. Um, yeah. So, you know, quick updates. We're still waiting on uh, Savage Frontiers. It's about time to start designing that board. Um, you know, and then we need to, yeah, there hasn't been an update from them. No, I checked Kickstarter last night and there isn't any updates. Uh, but that is my only concern with that Kickstarter. They don't communicate a lot. I mean, I understand if you don't have anything to say, but at least, you know, if it's been a few weeks to say, Hey, you know, you know, everything's progressing. We have no issues. As soon as we have a more substantial update, we'll let you know. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Instead of, of just going yeah, dark. Well, and, you know, they their last one was like September, and they did that. I mean, you know, the mats are all printed and whatnot, I remember you said. Right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Tim's been busy. Granted, so yeah, you know a lot of irons in the fire <laughs> and tim's a friend of the show and i, I don't i'm not yeah. trying to badmouth him but in exactly he has been busy with another project he's opening a comic book store slash game yep. store i think yeah, it is yeah which leads me to the concern is his priority shifting do you know what i mean um i i'm hoping he's able to handle everything at once i you know i really do um, I'd like to get him back on the show at some point here in the near future to do an update on it, uh, among other footsore miniature stuff. I, is he still representing footsore USA? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen really any updates from them. So it's, you know, I see footsore, but not footsore USA. So, um, you know, I'm surprised we didn't get the guys from uh, Delta one zero on the show to talk about their Kickstarter. Well, I'm pretty sure that if we called them up, they'd be more than happy to chat it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they only got two you know, days the, left, I, but it, it's the it's the whole new New Zealand to America yeah, kind of thing that uh, we would have to work out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you know, there's the Savage Frontiers. 
Um, and then starting in the new year, you know, each month we're going to pick a significant event in warfare history, and that'll be the theme of that month. So uh, we need to kind of work on that. So um, go from there. And uh, I really want to start doing more reviews. Uh, Jim did a really great video, uh, movie review. Um, you know, we talked about that on the last show. I'd like to see more of those. I'd like to really do some in-depth rule book reviews um, from a player standpoint because, you know, I do like to collect rule books. Um, and honestly, I want to start doing product reviews, um, you know, where we actually get a product in and we unbox, you know, I hate to say unboxing. It's not really an unboxing. It's more like, what does it look like when you take it out of the box? Is it full of flash? Does it need a lot of cleanup? You know, whether it's a miniature or a terrain piece or a game, you know, a box game or something like that. So not so much, you know, a playthrough, but this is our review of this product, you know. So. Right, right. Um, what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> it's the season. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, anybody else have any last thoughts for the show? I am setting up a uh, 20 millimeter, not virtual, a real plastic and paint, you know, 20 millimeter table for um, Battle of uh, Trenton, Christmas 1776. Nice. Um, the miniatures are all built already. I've had them for years. I got to build a few more buildings, and that will, I'm going to try to live stream it. Uh huh. It's probably going to be like a three-hour stream, so just you know, get ready for that. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be a full-blown twenty-millimeter miniatures game. Yeah. Um. So American Revolution, uh, Washington, and what what's left of those Continentals versus Hessians. Okay. And, uh, Trenton, New Jersey. All right. Twenty-six December. If I don't, if I can't stream it, because I'm not streaming from my house, I'm streaming from a different location. I'm not a hundred percent sure of the internet. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely record it, and it might come out like a couple of days after that. But for sure, that's definitely coming. Um, almost getting a head start on the whole, you know, here's the month, here's our theme. You know, kind yeah. of I already have January's Great. theme. Oh, yeah, we know. It's, there you go. It's going to be some Rourke's Drift. Rourke's Drift. There you yeah. go. Oh, yeah. What are, what, what, are, what are we doing in January? Rourke's Drift. I guess I need to so, bring out that box and start building it. And painting uh, up some dudes. I was say, yes, <laughs> we do. Because that's a lot. Yeah. You know what? Should we make it a participation game? If there's people in the area, or, you know, maybe you we gotta, do it like on a Saturday. Cutting, you have to literally be cutting plastic this weekend. I mean, I, I'll get her done. Don't you worry. I'll get her done. Um, I, you know, I have I have a long weekend next weekend. I, I did promise the wife that we are going to spend it decorating christmas but you know i know at times she's going to want to play magic the gathering or harry potter game with joey because joey my grandson's coming over so while they're doing that i can be assembling stuff and getting it ready to paint up and i uh, i am trying to do some lifestyle changes and one of those is is that when i get home i want to dedicate a minimum of an hour hour and a half to painting or hobbying you know assembly Every night, instead of eating dinner, taking a shower or whatever, and then watching, you know, YouTube research or whatever, um, but actually physically doing some of that kind of stuff as well. And I, I feel like I can, you know, get back into the groove. And uh, I think you guys doubt me. I think I can get Rourke's Drift ready for 
its anniversary, which is January, is it 26, 27, if I'm not mistaken? Somewhere about theirs? Um, so, Bill, I don't I don't doubt your oh, yeah. ability to be able to pull off a lot of things. Yeah. However, yes. I have seen the amount of Christmas decorations that Don has. <laughs> That's true. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get, well, get Don and Jen together. <laughs> Sounds like two Christmas psychos. In between the two of them might be uh, Frank and Muth, right? Right. Oh, my God. Right? (laughs) Krampus, where, like, the Christmas devil pops out and starts eating people or whatever? Yeah. It's 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 crazy. I mean, you know, the Christmas village alone takes several days to set up. So, um, yeah. So so when, when you say that now, does that mean... Dawn is setting that up by herself, so you have time to work on something else. No, I, we'll we'll get through it all. We'll get through it all. So, but uh, you know, I got this weekend. I can start cranking out. I already believe it or not, I actually have some British soldiers already assembled, and some Zulu warriors already assembled. I'm just, I was just saying, we've missed deadlines before. I don't. So, uh, yeah, we missed a lot by a lot. So, yeah, but if you already have them started, then that's yeah, yeah. Well, you got the miniatures started, but what are they playing on? I have boards. So, all right. So, Rourke's Drift took on January 22nd, the night of January 22nd to the 23rd. So, I have until that. So, with that in mind. Two months. I got two months. I got two months. Oh, that's perfect because January 22nd, 23rd is a weekend. So, yeah, we're going to do a live game of Rourke's Drift, and we are going to make it a participation game. So if anybody out there is interested in participating and playing Rourke's Drift with us at the SITREP Podcast Headquarters, you are more than welcome to. We'll figure it out. You can reach out to us and let us know if you want to participate, Um, and we'll go from there. And we will have Jim, our commentator, because I know it's it's difficult for him to, you know, and I, God only knows what the weather would be like. And why would anybody in their right mind who lives in sunny Florida want to come up to Chicago in January? He can be our uh, online commentator. Our, he could be the one going, no, don't do that. Why did you do that? No, yeah. don't do that. Because I'm famous oh, for doing yeah, things that people... Do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right, I got two months, guys. You heard it. Two months to build the Horns of the Buffalo set for Warlord Games. That is like the primo set. So, How many miniatures and, and what scale? It's 28 mil. And like, like 100 miniatures? 200 well, miniatures. you know, if I want to do it right, I, obviously I'm not going to be able to build, was it 4,000 Zulus? Yeah. You know, come on. I, no, I, I can't do 4,000 Zulus. Um, but I can do the 150 British troops, uh, that were there. I don't know how many come in the set. I actually have to find that out. Let me pop up Warlord real quick on my computer. Warlord games. Warlord, Warlord games. Warlord games. Horn of the Buffalo. Here we go. Okay. It's... Horns of the Buffalo Collector Set. 
comes with the Baileys, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's a picture. Oh, is it archived? Oh, you can't even get it anymore, huh? See, now it's a collector's item. It is. It's a collector's edition. Um, Shocker. Right? It only contains 67 infantry, one cavalry. So there's only 67 British guys in there. I have another set of British guys. Um, I don't know how many Zulu. Oh, I super, super fast, dedicated. I literally paint every day, you know, kick-ass, like semi-pro or pro miniatures. Yeah. Painters do like one twenty millimeter miniature a day, so sixty seven, and that's already more than two months. Oh no 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 no! I can paint right. more than one guy a day, and it looks good. Right. I, it's not cool. going to be to you know competition standard, but it will be tabletop. I can print. I can paint five or six guys a day easily. You're going to have to. Oh, I, that's easily. That's what. Easily. That, I mean, that's 67, uh, that's 67 British. You're going to need like double that in Zulus, unless you already have them. Uh, I got to see what I have. So, I, you know what? I need to pull out this whole set and see what I actually get in the set plus what I already have. So, might, might, might have to fire up the, the 3D printer on some Zulus. Right? There, there's, if I can find a good, decent Zulu uh, file, that not, might not be a bad idea. Hey, Chris. Chris, if you're out there, my friend, from uh, what's the name of his website, Marty? Walkabout game. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, wrong one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Modern. Uh, what is it? Three uh, D. Modern three D or modern three modern mini three D. Right. So, Chris, if you have Zulu files, uh, I could use them. All right, guys, uh, that's going to close out the show. So January, look for Rourke's Drift. So, Jim, I don't know what can you do from the historical standpoint um, in January for uh, the Anglo, I think they properly call it the Anglo-Zulu War nowadays instead of the Zulu War. Um, you know, some ramification thereof because it was the greatest defeat of the modern British Army um, uh, in that era. So, Greatest feat, like what, their biggest overseas deployment? Or? Well, no, it, Islandwana. Oh, you said defeat. De- defeat, okay. yeah, right. the, it was their greatest defeat of a modernized army versus, you know, Zulus with spears. So, sure they wounded me. So, sure I can come up with something. Yeah. I mean, all right. Um, I will have just got done with a big you know, rush through the American Revolution where I don't shoot any British. It's all Germans. I'm going to be highly irate and ready to shoot up some British. <laughs> so, uh, no, but in all seriousness, if we're doing, if if, if uh, that war is going to be the focus of uh, of January, yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of a tabletop game or a, uh, a virtual game. I yeah. Can find. Well, you could virtually do Islan one. You could. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that battle in miniature. Yeah. No. Like at, at least not in anything bigger than six mil. Even at six mil, that's going to be you know huge. But uh, it was like ten thousand zoos versus fifteen hundred uh, British. Some yeah, British and other colonies. Yeah, that's oh crazy. God. So and wiped them out. So yeah, okay. So there's that. It's awesome. Looking forward to it. So guys, look for that in January. All right, guys. 
I think with that, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. We want to thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Sit Rep Podcast for Marty and Chris and Big Jim. We thank you for joining us. Support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, hitting that thumbs up button, hitting the notification bell, sharing the page on Facebook, following us on Twitch, and also on Discord. Discord, Jim has been very active. I've seen you've been talking to several new members on the Discord channel, and you're starting to get the uh, documents folder to share some, uh, is it Panzer Blitz counters you were yeah, talking uh, about? Modern, our modern Panzer leader, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, guys... There you go. And then um, the web page. And don't, yes, I keep, God, how did I forget the web? So if you want to reach out to us on our web page, the web page is www.thesitreppodcast.com. Uh, you'll see our blogs there. You'll see all our uh, shows there. If you know, if you don't prefer to go to YouTube or Facebook or Podbean or any of the multitude of podcasting software that we're on, um, or what's more important to help support the channel buy merch we have a link directly to our merch store and i am updating some product to make it even better and uh offer more things i'm still waiting on the shot glasses to release we need that shot glass for jim's shot drink game so all right guys thank you very much for joining us today and we will see you in two weeks and in the meantime look out for our uh youtube programming take care and we'll see you later been listening to the Citrep podcast we hope you have enjoyed the show make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on facebook youtube twitter twitch and discord remember to join us every other weekend for a new episode of the podcast and don't forget our other programming on wednesdays and sundays thanks for listening 